Welcome to the Connection Point Church Podcast. We hope to be an encouragement throughout your week. New episodes are available every Sunday evening and Thursday evening. We also invite you to join us live on Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. and Wednesday evenings at 7 p.m. If you will, just for the next few moments, I won't be long, but I do want to preach on this simple subject of worship. Just preach on worship today. One more time, would you just bow your head and let's pray. Let's ask the Lord to help us in Jesus' name. Father, we we love you, God. We give you praise and we give you glory and we give you honor. We pray, God, your hand would be upon us. You would help us today, God. Give us a kingdom perspective. We worship and honor you in Jesus' name. Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. God bless you. And be seated. It was in the opening paragraphs of his 1997 best-selling book, Maximizing the Moment. Author T.D. Jakes notes that one cannot control the dates inscribed on the tablets of his own gravestone. The day and the year, the beginning of life, and the ending are often the same, something only God can determine. He spends his entirety of the the remaining passages discussing how we have, however, been gifted with the ability to affect that dash that separates those two significant dates. The dash on a gravestone between the date you were born and the date that you ultimately breathe your last breath on this earth, that dash which represents all that will become and accomplish from the time we are born into our final memory. The good and it's the bad and it's ultimately the legacy that we will have and leave behind and it is all determined by that little dash on our final resting place. You know, it's been said that it's not the amount of days that we live, but rather how we steward those days that we are given. And as Christians, we recognize that in God's eyes, a life filled with accomplishment and accolades and achievements is not as impressive to God as simply a life of surrender to His will, to His purpose, to His timing. Because at the end of the day and at the end of our life, only that which we have done for Christ truly holds significance in eternity. It was in 1 Corinthians 15 that the Bible says, Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, be immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. God is not so much interested in our accomplishments, our wealth, our achievements, but God is interested in what we have done for Him and how we steward the dash, the date, the time in between those two dates, our birth and our final breath, and how we steward that for Jesus Christ because only what we do for the Lord is going to matter. It was in the Bible that may not be another character in Scripture that so epitomizes and emphasizes this, this point and this truth as David would say that in all of the Scripture there was not anyone whose life which would much most match the experiences that David would encounter. Uh, David was a man of many talents. He could sing. He could write songs. He could sling a stone. He could kill bears. He could kill lions. He could even kill giants. He was a leader of men and he was a leader of armies. He could raise wise sons. He could sit on the throne and lead an entire nation. I don't think there was anything 
the Bible quite like David. Anyone that was as gifted or as talented as David, he had potential and, and, and he used his gifts to pursue any number of ventures. He could have done anything with the gifts and the talents he had, but most people know about David and his life and his accomplishments that David was a worshiper and David loved God and he was a man after God's own heart. Find that most people who know anything about David would probably reference the highs and the lows of David's life. The highs being when he slayed Goliath down in the valley of Terebinth, and the lows being when he was exalted on high on the rooftop, yet lusted after Beersheba. It's interesting to note that David's highest moment was when he was in the valley in the low place. His lowest moment was when he was exalted on high on that rooftop. But however, there's much more to tell about the story of David than just his highs, his lows, his accomplishments, and his faults and failures. Because in the book of Hebrews chapter 11, even in Hebrews 11, it says that we can't tell all about David's life. All that we could study about him, all that we could preach about him, and the Holy Spirit could teach us about him. We cannot compare to what we find in our text this morning as we read the introduction to the final words of King David as he looked back on the dash and the gravestone and evaluated what, what his life was going to represent after all he had experienced and endured and his final evaluation of his will so that we read here an understanding of what David would summarize his life as being. And he said here in the book of 2 Samuel, Now these be the last words of David, David the son of Jesse, the man who was raised up on high, the anointing of God and of Jacob, and the sweet psalmist of Israel. I want us to notice something this morning. I want us to notice, first of all, what all this final summary of David's life does not say. Notice it doesn't mention anything about his extraordinary exploits, his adventures, or his endeavors. There's not a mention of him killing bears or lions or giants. It's just, there's a word mentioning his leadership of a nation or his reign on a throne. It doesn't talk about his wealth or his fame, but what it does say is this, that David was a sweet psalmist of Israel. The last words we have recorded by David in Scripture here in 2 Samuel, they were written as a psalm of praise. And so we find here that David wanted to be and ultimately would be remembered as the one who had a song in his heart, a song on his lips, till the very end. David was a psalmist, a sweet psalmist of Israel. See, David realized that his significance was not in him or what he had done. But what was most significant in his life was that he was a worshiper. What I want to preach this morning, what I just want to share, what I feel on my heart this morning, that when you have made your mark on this life, when you have earned your final dollar, and when you have made your final memory, will it be said of you that you lived a good life? That you worked hard, that you made money, that you made nice memories, took some nice trips, you did what you wanted, you did everything and things worked out in your life for the most part. But when we fi find ourselves writing the final summary of our life, are we going to look back like David did and say that above all and before all, I was a worshiper of God? I want to tell you here today, more than anything in this life, we put things into perspective when we 
We find ourselves evaluating this, summarizing everything. When we take stock of all that is truly important in life, family is surely at the top of that list. Fulfillment is surely near the top of that list. Having a life that we can look back on and be proud of is surely near the top of that list. But what I want to tell you is at the very top of that list, when you, when you put it all into perspective and put it all in priority, what I want to tell you more than anything that matters is that you are a worshiper of God. I want to tell you here this Sunday morning that we need to get a kingdom perspective, a heavenly perspective before everything else, all of the peripheral things, all of the other things of life that we need to evaluate ourselves and ask ourselves, are we truly stewarding this opportunity to serve the Lord Jesus Christ with all of our heart and with all of our soul and with all of our mind and with all of our strength? Are we truly at a place where we can say that we are a worshiper of God first and foremost in our life? It was Jesus that said in John chapter 4, verse 34, but the hour comes and now is the true worshipers that they shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father seeks such to worship Him. I want to tell you that God is looking for worship. God is looking for a people, for a church that will worship Him. So if God is looking for worship, if worship is what matters ultimately the most in this life, what does it mean to be a worshiper? One commentary that defined worship as the full life response of your head, of your heart, of your hands to who God is, what He has done. It is a devotion shown towards a person or object out of a principle. We find in this definition, when we are worshipers, that we are worshiping God not just with a part of us, not just in a season of life, not just circumstantially, but we worship God with all of our heart, all of our soul, all of our mind, all of our strength. And that worship is based not upon a person or circumstance or season, but worship is based upon principle. I will tell you the first quality of true worship this morning. The first quality of a true worshiper is that a worshiper worships on principle. More than just the season of life, more than just how things are going, more than just whether you've got money in the bank account, whether or not you've got health in your body. We worship God because God is good and He is deserving of our worship and He never changes. Though life changes, though seasons change, He's still the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. He was good yesterday, He's good today, and He's always going to be good. And so if we are going to worship God in truth, we worship God on the principle that He is good all the time and He's worthy of our worship at all times. <clears throat> when David passed away, Israel didn't just lose a warrior that day or giant killer. Israel lost a worshiper. You will find that as you read through the Scriptures, through the history of Israel, you find that after David took his last breath, that true worship was lost with the passing of the sweet psalmist. Solomon was wise, but David was a worshiper. Other than Solomon's prayer at that inauguration of the temple and the reforms under Hezekiah and King Josiah, you will barely find the words worship, sing, singing, or praise mentioned by any of the other kings of Israel. What we find here is that when Israel lost that sweet psalmist, worship may have been lost with them, but let it not be said of us here. 
That when one season of our life passes or that one, one circumstance or situation in our life passes, that let it not be said of us that our worship passes with it, but let it be said that our worship is based upon a principle, not upon somebody else, not upon a, per, a personality or, 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 or whether things are going good or bad in our life, but let it be said of us that we were principled worshipers, that we worship God in truth, that, that no matter where we were or what we were going through, no matter how dark or how lonely or how hard the season may have been, no matter how exalted or blessed we may feel, that we worship God in the good seasons and in the bad seasons. True worship. Worships God at all times. It was even David that said this. Psalms 34. He said, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul will make her boast in the Lord. The humble will heal their, hear, hear thereof and be glad. Oh, magnify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name together. I sought the Lord and he heard me and delivered me from all of my fears. They looked unto him and were lightened and their faces were not ashamed. This poor man cried and the Lord heard him, saved him out of all of his troubles. David said, I'm going to bless the Lord at all times. True worship is principled worship, but that's not all. But true worship is not just principled, but true worship is proactive. I want to tell you that I believe this morning, this Sunday morning, that of all the spiritual elements we have at our disposal as spirit-filled believers, I truly believe that true, passionate, and heartfelt worship one of the single most powerful forces in our life. Because true worship will change the spiritual atmosphere. True worship has the power to change a mood. True worship has the power and the ability to change one's perspective. Because worship is not bound or limited by our limitations. True worship is not bound or limited by our mood or our attitude or our perspective. True worship can can find you wherever you are. You can worship God in the jail cells of life. You can worship God in the pits of life. You can worship God when everything else has fallen apart in life. You can worship God no matter where you are or what you're going through. And what I have found about worship is if you will bring God into your circumstances by exalting Him and magnifying Him. Worship can lift you out of the darkness. Worship can lift you out of the depression. Worship can lift you out of the doubt. Worship can lift you out. We find here that this David, the psalmist of Israel, recognized this about worship. You don't have to let life just happen to you. You can happen to life. You can worship no matter what you're going through. And your worship can impact and affect the seasons and the circumstances that you find yourself in. You see, David could play and David could sing. But more importantly, David knew how to get a hold of God and worship. There was one instance in David's life where we see this play out. The Bible says that King Saul was vexed by an evil spirit. We don't know what it was. It was a depressing spirit. It was a tormenting spirit. The Bible tells us in 1 Samuel 16 that 
That Saul said, provide me now a man that can play well and bring him to me. And then answer one of the servants and said, behold, I have seen a son of Jesse, this Bethlehemite, this that is cunning and playing and mighty valiant, a man, a man of war, prudent in matters, a, a comely person, and the Lord is with him. The Bible says that Saul called for David to come and to play and to worship. What we find here is an interesting story, an illustration at the power of worship because Saul had everything at his disposal. He had counselors and he had comedians and, and he, had, he had perhaps physicians and he had at his disposal all the money and all of the wealth of the kingdom and he could have called anyone but he had been vexed by this tormenting spirit and he could not shake it and, and Samuel realized I need something that is more powerful than what I have uh, attempted or tried up to this point. Bring me a worshiper. And they brought David in and David began to play and David began to sing. But more than just a song or a lyric, David began to worship and David had a way of getting hold of the presence of the Lord. And it was here that the Saul benefited from the reality that when you find yourself in your lowest seasons of life, if you can just get a hold of God through worship, that God can lift you out of your trouble and out of your trial if you can just bring him into your situation there is power to our worship told the story before but it serves as a powerful illustration of just how proactive worship our worship can be many years ago when I had first got into church I befriended a man by the name of Horatio Lindsay and I'm not planning on telling this story but I want to share it with you the power of worship and brother Lindsay was a godly man. He lost his wife. He had several children, young children, and and we became friends. And when I first got in church, we began discipling me, and we just developed a friendship. And long story short, when he lost his wife, he called me over one of those first nights and just began going over there. And I went over there, and he was just unconsolable, and he was crying, and he was mourning this loss, and. I remember just feeling so overwhelmed by this situation that I found myself in. I was a new believer. I didn't have words of wisdom. I didn't have counsel. I, I, didn't, have a, I didn't have a sermon to preach. I, I didn't have any sort of uh, polished response to try to counsel him out of his stage of grief that he was experiencing. I didn't have a, a psychology background or a counseling background to try to work through this situation. But what uh, in that moment, the only thing that I could think to do was to pull out the Word of God and turn to the book of Psalms and begin reading through the psalms of worship and praise. And it was amazing that as we sat there together reading the psalms to one another, as worship began to enter into that room and praise began to lift the heaviness of that atmosphere, I learned a lesson that I will never forget. And that is despite how we may be feeling in that moment, when we can get God involved in our mourning and in our loss and in our grieving, that God can begin to break up the discouragement and the in the depression, God can give us a spirit of worship. I just want to tell you here today that no matter where you are or what you're going through, if you can just worship God in the midst of it, if you can just praise God in the midst of it, I want to tell you the Lord has a way of lifting the heavy burden, lifting the vexing spirit and comforting us and coming to us in the midst of our difficulty and trial. I want to tell you there is something powerful about worship. Worship is principled 
Worship is proactive. Wherever you are and whatever you're going through, I want to tell you here today that if you can just worship God, there's something that can happen and transform in a life and in a church. It could be in a church service. It seems like nothing's going on, but if you could just get a worshiper or two just to say, you know what? I'm not going to just sit idly by. I'm going to be proactive in my worship and begin to lift your voice and lift your hands and lift your soul. I want to tell you, God will begin to move into that place. And we've all seen it time and time again. God will begin to change the atmosphere and the attitude of that worship service. Maybe you find yourself at home by yourself. If you can just worship the Lord, I want to tell you, God can meet you just as much in a prayer closet or in a bedroom or in a hospital bedside as he can in a worship service on a, on a, on a good Sunday morning. I want to tell you, God God is not limited or bound by your circumstances if you can just lift him up in worship. At the end of the day, when all is said and done, in light of our trials, our troubles, and our tribulation, what I want to ask Connection Point Church today is like David, will we make up our mind that it will be said of us that we were worshipers? We had success, we had fun, we had great memories, we had a lot of wonderful times and experiences. We've had our fair share of dark days, to be sure, but at the end of the day, will it be said of us that we were worshipers? Stand with me today. It was in 1910 by the name of Luther Bridges, who's 26 years old. His future seemed bright. Took his family down to his wife's home in Harrodsburg, Kentucky, southwest of Lexington. They're going to stay with her parents while Luther was on a preaching trip. One evening, a nearby neighbor rose up in the middle of the night, couldn't sleep. He looked out his bedroom window, horrified to see the flames his house across the way. We began racing across that field. He screamed for someone to come out, but by the time he had got there, it was too late. Flames had engulfed that farmhouse. And Luther's in-laws evidently escaped, but his wife and children perished in those flames. During that slow healing, that overwhelming grief that Luther suffered deep in almost suicidal depression, According to historical records and some reported sources, it was during this time, it was during the season, that Luther recalled the Bible's promise of a song in the night. It was a few months later that Luther wrote the lyrics to a song testifying to God's ability to keep him singing, even in a midnight season of life. It was through the promise of God and through the season of suffering that God began to put something into Luther's heart. And he wrote a song. The lyrics to that song say this. I want to just share it with you. That there is within my heart a melody. Jesus whispers, sweet and low. For now I am with thee. Peace be still. 
through all of life's ebb and flows. Sometimes he leads us through waters deep. Trials fall across my way. Sometimes the path seems rough and steep. I see his footprints all the day. Jesus, 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 sweetest name I know. I just wonder if there's anyone here one more time. You just can decide and declare that you have made up your mind. No matter what this life brings, that it will be set aside. If there's anyone here that would just want to make your way forward. And we see that depiction of heaven. We see the multitudes, every tribe, every tongue, every person just standing before the throne of God, just worshiping God, loving God. I want to tell you, we're going to just trust God with our lives and with our prayer requests and with our needs. And we know that God is able to do anything and everything that He so desires. Even when we don't have the answers or the solution, we're just going to put it into God's hands. And we're just going to lift the Lord up and worship. Can we just do that right now?
sovereign and we're going to worship him. God is able. And so what I want us to do here today is I want us to push back. All right. I heard a wise man say, and a man by the name of David Bernard, very godly, very wise man. He said, sometimes things come against the church, one or two things, bad things happen in life, sickness happens, it's a part of life, but sometimes when you see that a lot of things are coming at you at the same time, then you think that maybe there's there's some sort of a spiritual element to that. So I want us just to push back, all right? I want us just to push back, and we're going to pray, and we're just going to believe that God is able. And so what I want us to do, if you're here today and you just have a need, just have a special need in your life, whether it's sickness or there's a circumstance, I want you just to one more time just come up here, and we're going to just pray. Maybe you've got a, a loved one that's sick or a loved one that's backslidden or whatever the situation is. I want you just to come up here. We're going to just push back by faith. We're going to believe that God is able. Amen. The Caldwells are not here today. Amen. We're going to pray that God will give them just a speedy recovery. Anna has been not able to come to church uh, for several weeks now. We're going to pray that God is going to just keep his hand upon her and give her a speedy recovery. Amen. Leanne is not able to be here today. And we're going to just pray that God is able to touch her. And so one more thing I want us to do as we get ready to pray, I want us just to anoint a handkerchief. For Nick Sr. Jason, if you'll come forward, I want us just to pray. Logan, Nick, maybe some of you, 
were part of the church when Nick was the pastor here. I want you just to put your hand on this. Just lay your hand on that, and we're going to just pray God's hand of healing, all right? So all of these needs right now, in the name of the Lord, if some of you want to come around and just pray for this, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, I want you just to stretch forth our hands right now and just ask the Lord to just move in this circumstance and every one of these needs. We're going to just push back against the darkness, amen, the bad news. We're just going to believe that God is able. Can we do that right now? Would you just stretch forth your hand? Father, in the name of Jesus, God, we just pray. God, we worship first, and now we pray. God, I pray over every one of these needs, Lord. God, we press, we push. God, I pray right now in the name of the Lord, we have come before you in worship because we just exalt you above our circumstances and our needs. God, we know that you are sovereign. So we worship you first and foremost in our life. But, Father, we also believe that you are able to reach down and to move and to do the miraculous. And so, Father, I pray right now in the name of Jesus Christ. God, we come against cancer. We come against this sickness. We come against this illness. We come, God, against this bad report. We pray for healing right now in the name of Jesus Christ. I pray for Leanne right now, Lord. I pray that you would just touch and heal and help her, God. I pray for Dan. I pray for Isaac. I pray in the name of Jesus, God, for the Caldwells. I pray for Anna, Lord, in Jesus' name, every situation in need. And, Lord, I pray right now for Nick Sr., that you would just reach down, God, and do the miraculous, Lord. God, we see the report. We know how bad it looks right now. But God, we just put our faith in you, Lord. We put our trust in you right now, God. God, we pray a miracle. We pray healing. We pray your hand upon this family right now, Lord. Move in this situation, God. When we don't have any other answers, when we don't have any other solutions, when we don't have anyone else to turn to, we put our trust in you. We put our faith in you. We call upon your name right now. We love you, God. We glorify you, Lord. We honor you right now. We give you praise and we give you worship today. Can we just do that, Lord? We love you, Lord. We worship you one more time. Can we just... together and thank the Lord. Amen. Amen. We're going to just trust the Lord. Amen. Amen. We're going to declare victory. Amen. Amen. I want to thank you for being with us today. I know today's a little bit different of a service. 
but I want us just to continue to be in prayer for all of our families and for our church. Amen. We're just going to let God have his way. He's the God of the miracle. Amen. Amen. I am going to go try my best to get down to see Nick Sr. here the next couple of days and bring him this prayer cloth. Um, but let's do me this favor. I know maybe he's reached out to some. He has asked for prayer. That's why I prayed. I don't know if they've shared any of this online quite yet. But let's just let the family do that before we reach out too much, certainly in a public fashion, okay? So um, we're going to keep on praying. We'll keep you updated. But um, no, no, look, God is good. God is good. Amen. 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 God is good. Dan, would you just close us out in prayer, prayer of faith? Would you mind just doing that?